Welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, engineer. Oh, industrial news. Not, not. I, what did I almost say? It, I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> In general, nerdery. We are your hosts, electrical engineers Parker Dolman and Stephen Craig. This is episode 310, and we only did that correct once before we messed it up. Oh, I would say I messed it up, not we. Uh, we need a sign that says zero weeks since messed up now. You can just replace <laughs> it you know, in, the, in the back. <laughs> uh, so before we get started, I just want to make a quick announcement that uh, we are going to be having a TIG welding uh, live stream coming up here soon in January uh, 15th. That's a Saturday at 6 p.m. Central. You can uh, tune in at twitch.tv slash macrofab. Uh, Parker and I are going to be uh, live streaming our our uh, TIG welding skills, which I, I, I'm i pretty sure that you and I are probably about the same in our titch, uh, titch, uh, TIG, uh, TIG welding capabilities. In other words, I think we both kind of suck, right? Uh, yeah. That's what I'm saying, kind of. Yeah. yeah. No, suck is awful <laughs> so we're both we're both gonna learn together we're both gonna kind of like feed each other with stuff and and uh with, with knowledge sh should i say so so one of the takeaways i want to i want to get from this is is i'm trying to tig weld large pieces semi-large pieces of stainless steel to stainless sheet metal uh that's what i want to kind of come away is better knowledge on how to execute that um so it's a little bit of what I'm looking for. So if you're interested in joining us, uh, come crack a beer and hang out on Saturday, January the 15th at 6 p.m. Central on uh, Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash macrofab. Yeah, and we'll have to figure out how to make that stream work. Um, probably going to do probably like a stream on like we'll probably stream on like our personal um Twitch channels mm -hmm. and then squad like you can squad link the streams and so people can see both streams at the same time. I think that's that way idea. it's not like Steven sending my his video to me and then I'm also re-encoding that. Like that's how the podcast works now. Right. Um and then that goes out back to the the ether. Um also like I gotta figure out how to set up a webcam near my welding bench. Yeah, I'm just mine's gonna be really, really ghetto. But yeah, I think that's gonna be really ghetto. And uh, but it'll be fine. It'll be fine. What what I'm gonna um, start with? So I bought some some steel coupons just that are just like practice chunks. Um, what I'm gonna do is just throw down a piece of uh, sheet metal on my bench and then weld a coupon to it, such that I have something to <laughs> connect my ground clamp to. That's uh that's sort of my first project. I have a, I'm making a project in order to learn how to make projects. There we go. Yeah, that, I mean that's how I learned how to MIG. Yeah. Uh, well, at first I took a class at my local um, hackerspace, and then I basically welded a pre-cut um, welding bench together. And uh, I kind of going to do the same thing with TIG. Um, I don't know if I can get everything cut for the TIG stream, but I want to make a holder for a gas can for off-roading on my Jeep. Right. And I think we've talked about this before, yeah. maybe on the podcast or not, 
But um, I don't know if I can get pre-cut everything. But I think I'm just going to buy a whole bunch of steel coupons and just practice because I need to practice steel. Yeah, just running, just it. laying down beads. Um, Amazon yeah. has kits of of coupons of various gauges. Just snag a pack. Uh, that's what I did. It'll work out well. Yeah, a little snack pack of steel. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 so the thing is, in this stream, I don't think we're gonna actually be trying to get images of the arc itself. We're not like that's hard. That's really difficult. Yeah, this is more of just like a like, hangout. Like I want to hang out with our listeners and just have some fun together. Yeah, it's probably gonna be like hangout. Maybe maybe someone in the chat will know something about TIG welding more than us. Yeah, and hold like hold stuff up really to the likely. camera and they just say, no, don't do that again. <laughs> yeah. You um, get to watch us make a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. Yeah. Make a lot of recyclable steel. That's the best part about <laughs> welding, though. Like, your mistakes, you just chop them up and then re-weld them together. Yeah, re-weld them together. Oh. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, Saturday, January 15th at 6 PM central time. Um, we'll probably have more information, uh, or more, yeah, more information about it next podcast too. Yeah. Like the details on like how the stream is going to work. Um, okay. So the topic this week is new year's engineering resolutions. And so this is kind of, so like, Last couple of weeks, we talked about projects and wrapping up stuff at the end of the year. But now this is the podcast where we get to talk about things in the future. That means that this is also stuff that our listeners can hold us accountable to. Uh-oh. <laughs> Yikes. Yep. Yeah, so I guess you get to call us out if you ever see us not doing this. Yes. Um, so I have three... I guess we can just go... Um, See, like, let's just bounce between each other. Yeah, let's just bounce through all the different ones. Yeah. Um, so I, my first one is I'm going to finish the Cat Feeder Unreminder, finally. Um, I, I It's already scoped out. The schematic is pretty much done. I just got to lay the board out and get some boards made. Yep. And then 3D print a little enclosure and sticky tape it to the side of the the... Cat food bin. Since we haven't talked about it in a while, just give like a, a real brief reminder of what it is. So, yo, know, oh, that's such a good idea. Because uh, it's been like a year since I've talked about this project. It's I been think. a while. <laughs> so the cat feeder unreminder is a, a electronic device that basic, basically makes sure you don't feed your cat more times than needed. Because cats really like to bug humans for food this is also this is why the reddit subreddit uh slash r slash chonkers is a thing <laughs> chonker is a is a, a slang for a big like cat a chunky cat <laughs> chunky cat um and and the problem i have is i'll feed my cats um and then my dad will go and feed the cat because he because the cat will eat all the food in the bowl and then meow at my dad. My dad will feed feed her the same amount of food. And then cat doesn't mind. Cat doesn't mind. Cat just eats everything they put in the bowl. Um, so what I want to do is, I, what I wanted to do was make an electronic device that basically when you feed the cats, you just press a button on on the. Uh, actually, I was actually thinking about change. I was going to feature creep this on this episode though, 
is instead of making it a button, is I'm just going to put a tilt switch on in it. So that way, when you open up the lid of the food bin, it's it trips it. It resets in a way. It resets it. So the idea is, is it has a red or green light. Um, green means you can feed the cat. Red means don't feed the cat. And then it just has like an 18-hour timer on it. And there you go. I think I think it's going to work out to be like a 22-hour timer. Wow, that's some intermittent and, yeah. fasting on the for the cat. Yeah, I only feed I only feed the animals uh, once a day. Yeah, so I mean I only eat once a day too. So it's like a <laughs> big deal. Um, so yeah, I'm going to finish that project. Oh, the other thing about that project is it's also solar powered, right? Um, so that you don't have to worry about batteries. It always runs. Well, I mean, the good thing is if you see neither of the light drawn <laughs> like that that means address the issue yeah and the uh that was one thing is actually it's going to be a blinking i think it's a blinking green because running the green all the time would take too much power um because it's solar powered um yeah i think i worked out all the power calculations like a year ago and it, well, yeah, it does yeah, work out did. Yeah, it does work out. <laughs> All right, so one of the uh, resolutions that I'm looking to do um, is, I, I call it smaller but more directed action. And uh, I know that's a little bit awkward, but I've noticed one thing about the way I work, both at home uh, but in my day job too, that uh, is I want to be more conscious of and uh, and try to adjust it like i what 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 i'll do with a project is i will save up lots of work for the project and then i will take like two or three days and do nothing but that and uh and what's kind of sucks about that is i end up um it ends up looking like i get no progress and then a lot of progress happens all at once and then like no progress whatsoever and i and at my yeah. design meetings i have to be like you know, there will be like two or three design meetings where it's like no update, no update, no update, and then I'll take like twenty minutes describing all the updates in the next uh, meeting. And uh, yeah. at the same time, I've also noticed that like I will put off tasks that in my head are going to take forever, but in reality take like ten minutes. Uh, I will I will put those tasks off for like a week or two or even more sometimes. And then like, I'll finally be like, okay, I'm setting up and I'm going to do this task. And then I realize it only took 10 minutes. I'm trying to be more conscious of those and just be like, okay, in reality, this task is not going to take eight hours. It's going to take 10 minutes. Go and do that, that task. So, yeah, I, I have a, I started implementing a rule. This is like four or five years ago. Yeah. Basically, if I, if I, if I need to do something and that task only takes five minutes, I do it right then. Yeah. Regardless of what's going on. Yeah. Um, it makes it kind of crazy sometimes because sometimes a lot of like five minute things get stacked up. And so you're just doing a lot of stuff in a row. Yeah. But it, 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 it works better for stuff like stuff that you don't want to do. Is what that's for, though. Like making your bed, doing the dishes, yeah, doing laundry, yeah. that kind of stuff. It only takes five minutes to do it, but you put it in your back of your head that you, oh, I don't want to do that. Mm. But 
basically if that I don't want to do it and I know it only takes five minutes to do or less to do that, just go and do it. That like that almost changed, like revolutionized my life when I started doing that. <laughs> you, you know, got uh, way more stuff done. I, I I did something like that uh, earlier this year, and it's helped out a ton. I made a, I made a rule when it came to those kinds of things where, like, if I was presented with a task right then that I could be done in five minutes, um, if for whatever reason I chose not to do it or I couldn't do it at that time, I would immediately pull up my phone and I would make a task in my phone, put it on the calendar, and it's like, you will do it when this bell rings. You get to yeah. delay this once. Uh, and, yep. and then as That's soon as it rings, really good I just idea. go and do it. That's a good idea. I should I should add that to that process. Yeah. So um, so it allows you to delay the task with the intent that the that task will get done. Yeah. yeah. But you yeah, only you only allow to d- delay it once. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. Yep. I yeah, because sometimes you are you start bouncing around too much. Yeah. Um, and so that that would help help that problem out. Right. So I'm I'm yeah, so overall this resolution is to just look at things in smaller chunks and take directed action and just say this thing is smaller, you can get it done right now, just go get it done. Mhm. All right. So uh my other resolution is to get my 1965 checker running and running is in quotes. And so what that means is so I have a 1965 checker marathon which is a basically a taxi cab it's like um it's whenever you watch a movie and it's like in new york city and there's a cab Mm. that's a that's a checker um and so i bought a rolling chassis um 65 checker a couple years ago at this point and you've put some work into it i did get the i did get the engine to turn over and i drove it in again in quotes into the from my backyard into the driveway um but i want to get it running in terms that i can drive it down the street and like go around the block mm-hmm. like so it needs to have a cooling system it needs a um it needs to have a uh, enough electronics to not catch on fire um it needs to have brakes that break because <laughs> right now you have to like kick the door out and put your foot down Flintstone style. Flintstones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, everything that you th- a car needs to do, it needs to do. Right. So it, like it already steers. It already, um, it rolls around, but everything else about it doesn't do what cars do. Right. <laughs> um, so I want to get All the ancillary the stuff that's required. Well, so like there's other stuff like, oh, it needs lights. Well, you don't need lights to drive it around the block. Right. So I'm not going to worry about the electronics. Like it just needs, it actually has enough wiring already, which is a key that tells the solenoid on the starter to kick on. Hmm. That's, and then like the distributor, which you just give it power and it does its thing. Hmm. So it's like, that's actually electronics wise is actually technically done from this standpoint. Hmm. (laughs) Um, But the main thing is it doesn't the engine itself doesn't hold water. Um when it was stored back in like the 80s um it was it wasn't properly stored for long-term storage. I don't know why. Maybe the person who owned it died or thought they'd get back to it or something but they never did. So all the freeze plugs are called are now rust plugs now uh, <laughs> in the engine block. And so 
which isn't that big of a deal because that happens. Um, but one of the freeze plugs is in the back of the engine between the engine and transmission. And so you have to at least pull the engine out, which I'm just going to pull the whole you know, transmission and uh, drivetrain out um, to get to it. And uh, I do have basically the engine I want to put into it, which is a bigger version. It's an inline six engine. Mm. Um, I have a, I have like the biggest Chevy inline six came out of a truck that I want to put into this sedan. Uh, but I think I'm not going to do that yet. Um, I'm going to take the, the small inline six. I'm just going to pound new freeze plugs in it. Um, I got to remove a, a rusted bolt that snapped off from the water pump. Got to remove that and, you know, re uh, thread that and then put that back in as it is and kind of get it like kind of what I want to do is like drive it how it was stock ish. Um, and actually, I've already converted it to disc brakes for the brakes. I just have to run the plumbing, I think. I'll have to do so. I won't have like the stock four wheel drums anymore, but kind of like the original engine, the original transmission. Just drive it around the block at least a couple more, couple times before like that engine gets yoinked to go into the junkyard. And uh, that's uh, that's like a year goal, right? That that's a resolution goal. Yeah. Okay. Um, honestly, it's probably only like if I had a whole week off, I could knock that out, no problem. Um, but I don't have a whole week off just to work on the checker, unfortunately. Right. I've, I'm probably gonna take a week off to do other things. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. But now we get uh, to hold you accountable for it. Yes. Hold me accountable for getting it running in quotes. Um, it would be nice to get it running enough so I can just drive it down to the local. There's a, like a inspection shop right down the road. Um, because, the I have a full blue title for it, but the title's got a what's called a mark on it, and the mark means that the tax office here in Texas basically said we are um, we are holding we we are trusting you kind of with this mark that the serial number is correct on the title, mm-hmm. and what you do is you take your your blue title with the mark on it to an inspection shop and then the inspector goes yep that's the same number stamp right. and then you get a full unmarked blue title so and i said serial number not a vin which is a vehicle identification number because vins did not exist in 65 <laughs> <laughs> that's great so it's got yeah so it's got a serial number um plaque not a uh not a uh what VIN. what when did vins begin oh yeah i I don't think it was long after 65 actually i want to say late 60s okay i want to guess i used to know that back when i was like trying to figure out how to get a title for the checker yeah so that was fun do you get uh do you get any kind of like special exception for it like, do you get one of those license plates that says something, like, unique about it? Oh, oh like antique or yeah, whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those have weird rules. Because um, basically, when you get one of those, you get you pay less taxes on your car. Mm-hmm. 
and you can't drive your car a lot. It, like, yeah, it's, it's, it can't be a daily driver. Yeah, it, you basically can only really drive it in parades and like maybe to a car, to a car show, show a couple times a year. Yeah. Like it is not it is they they will, basically you you report your mileage every year. Mm. Um and honestly, I'm I'm just going to get a regular license plate for it. <laughs> right, right, right. It's, not, it's not I'd like to actually drive this car. Yeah. So That'll be fun. I don't want to be restricted on my car driving. Right, right, right. I need three daily drivers. What are you talking about? <laughs> and only yeah, one. It will, it will not be a daily driver by the end of this year, but I want to be able to drive it around, like at least move it around when I need to move it mm-hmm. and not have to push it around. Yeah. So get the original engine running. Get it. That, the big thing is, I don't know if the radiator will hold. Um, water or not okay so question about that why spend the time getting the original engine if you're already if you're going to replace it so the new engine has different motor mounts and so i have to weld in different motor mounts right but how does that change anything so okay so the new engine is straight six so actually it's the same length Uh as the original engine except it's two inches taller okay so I have to lower it down mm. about three quarters of an inch to make everything fit under the hood. Yeah. And um, doing so changes every bracket on the drivetrain. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you really just want to see it move before putting all that work into it. Well, yeah, that and the and to get the new engine um, and, and the new engine I, I pulled from a running truck three years ago at this point mm-hmm. i'd rather instead of trying to fire that engine up and maybe perhaps damage it i want to send it to a machine shop and get it built correctly first too yeah before i decide to stab it into the checker got it because it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be turbocharged so there's some like parallel action going on here yeah yeah I, it, it's really i want to get it running so i can at least like if i need to move it i can just move it i don't have to like get you know my neighbor over and be like okay you sit in the car and i'm gonna push it and then you know throw a brick in front of the tire so it stops it <laughs> yeah so. you need you need some wheel chocks right <laughs> for this thing. yeah it does have wheel chocks well big bricks yeah so yeah. um so i just want to get running be able to drive it around Make the brakes work. Mm. Um, it just actually on the brakes, it just needs a uh, this tubing, I think, at, uh, on the uh, front to rear because it's it, it has the. Uh, I actually rebuilt. I don't know why I rebuilt it. I rebuilt the original single pot master cylinder. Mm. It was actually only three dollars to rebuild it in like an hour, so it wasn't actually that much work, but. Um, so I'm gonna run disc brakes off a single pot master cylinder just to get it running, because like eventually the plan will be to put a hydro boost unit and then you know a split two pot modern master cylinder on it. But to make that work, I need power steering, and the car doesn't have power steering, so I have to add power steering to this this checklist now to make it run in quotes. So again. I'm looking at it as what is the l- least amount of work I have to do 
to get it in that quote driving unquote phase. Which is why I'm not putting the new engine in it yet. Yeah. Because the new engine, like I don't have a carburetor or anything that fits it. But I have the original carburetor. I actually rebuilt the original carburetor. Little, little, almost looks like a big coffee mug, like a thermos. <laughs> one, one jet. Cool. Yeah. Well, hopefully by end of year, gonna have like maybe it's gonna be December thirty first, and I'm like out there trying to crank it over. <laughs> 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 We need video evidence. Video or it didn't happen. You'll, you'll, we'll get it. We'll get it. Cool. That's exciting. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so one other resolution that I'm really trying here is is I'm actually calling this a stretch resolution. But uh, it's it's to be more present. And, and I understand, like, Parker's giving, like, concrete things, and I'm giving more, like, heady abstract things <laughs> abstract things but but this one um so over the past couple of weeks i've i've realized um that i have a tendency to hold myself away and not be in the mix with everything i've i've sort of been that way my entire life and and recently i got a promotion at work that that puts me a little bit more in charge of more people and I realize that I don't have much of a relationship with a lot of the people I work with. I mean, like I have like friendly relationships and stuff like that. But um, in terms of like, I want to be uh, I want to be a little bit more present at work with everyone. Um, but I also want to be more present with what I do um, in my own personal life uh, with these projects, but also on social media, which is something that just doesn't come naturally to me. Uh, I don't post to social media much because I guess I have some kind of a feeling where it's just like, well, I don't care. Like, or it's not that I don't care. It's just like, I, I make the assumption that no one else would care about what I have to post. So I don't. And I realize like sitting right next to me right now is like massive amounts of projects that just could have been tons of good content to go out there. And I'm not talking about content in terms of like increasing or growing a podcast or my own brand or whatever, but just like content that just adds to cool stuff out there. Uh, so I want to be more present with that. And especially with the amps I'm building now, I, I have, I have cool amps that I've been building and playing. I'm like, I don't have pictures of them to show people, you know, like it just, I'd be like, you want to see it? Like set up a time where we can meet up. And I'm like, you know, I just need pictures and content and videos and me playing guitar and, and things of that sort. So it's just, that's one resolution I'm trying to be just a little bit more forward in a way, um, but not in your face. Yeah, I mean, cause you, you send pictures to like Roz and I of all your projects and we're like, this is awesome. And it's like, you should be posting that stuff to a, a great. And, and that's just the thing, Twitter, like, or any social media, I guess. And that's how I've been my entire life. Like my close friends are the ones that I'm sharing all my cool stuff with, but like, I could be sharing it with a lot more people. And that's the whole yeah. thing. I, I'd like to just put some more action into that. Yeah. Um, and people do care. Um, like last yeah. night I was, I last night at like 1230, I finished like wiring the battery on uh, the battery stuff on my, my mother's golf cart. And I took some pictures and posted on Twitter and James Lewis and I were just chatting about like motor controllers and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, people care. People really want to see that kind of stuff. Um, I just think more stuff like that just makes those platforms better. 
no, that's actually that was about what I'm about to say is there's so much negativity in this world. We can bring some positivity to it by showing off cool stuff 100%. and talking to people about cool stuff. Hundred percent. And that's uh, that's the feeling I have right now. It it's going to take work for me because it just does not come naturally. Like when I do something, I don't immediately think like, oh, I need to tweet this out. Like it does just doesn't come to my mind. But like, I I, I want to try to be more present in those areas. Mm-hmm. So I have my last one is I'm going to lose my last thirty six pounds. I need to lose. Nice. This is more like personal, I guess, because my other two are like projects, stuff like that. Um, I, I think that lose, could be an I'm engineering lose. resolution because I, I could bet mo- lots of engineers could lose 36 pounds, <laughs> myself included. Um, <laughs> so I, my goal is to get to 200. Mm-hmm. And um, how I'm doing that is I, I have a really good diet. Um, I've been on a really good diet for a while. I just plateaued at 236 for ever. Um, and basically what I'm going to do is I am not going to drink alcohol until I hit 200. Oh, wow. So that's, I have yeah, to hit 200 cool. pounds before I can drink. Now there is only, there's one exception to that rule <laughs> and it's not the podcast. <laughs> Any day that ends in day. <laughs> <laughs> Any day that ends in Y is the joke. Oh, that's it. Yeah. My bad. Why? Yeah. <laughs> no, up. no, it's, uh, it's skiing. Oh, if you go like a vacation, if I go on vacation to ski, um, that's the only exception. Skiing also makes you burn a bazillion calories. So yeah, um, I actually every single time I go skiing, I end up losing like two pounds <laughs> over the week. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work, and you're like hydrating, like like drink tons of water, and drink. I drink a ton of beer when I go skiing. <laughs> like I'm like I'm like. I'm like I, I calculated out almost like four thousand calories a day, not in beer alone, but like just overall food and everything. And I was still losing weight just because how much activity you're doing. Um, but yes, uh, I'm going to not drink alcohol until I hit two hundred pounds. Well, congrats, thirty six pounds to go. That's a big goal. Yeah, because that's really I'm like, that's where I'm losing my my calorie count mm-hmm. is. You know, drinking a six pack of beer on a Friday night—that'll <laughs> do it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's that blows out you know an entire week's worth of doing really good, basically. So I have uh, one more, and uh, this is something I actually talked to my wife about, um, and uh, and and we both kind of agreed on this. Uh, we have a lot of tendency to utilize our shared time of us together just watching TV. Like, uh, like we both have separate interests that just don't really align, uh, and we go our separate way and do it. And then, like when we're done, we come and watch TV. And sometimes that can become a crutch. That can become like it's just the default that we end up doing. Um, and so we're we're willing to sacrifice a bit of that time. Um, for something else and what I want to do is start replacing a bit of that like just watching random garbage stuff with um, executing well I apologize not executing with practice Uh, and so that can be uh, certain things certainly I it's I just don't play my guitar enough 
Um, most of my guitar playing is actually me just like banging out noises on something I made as opposed to like actually creating music or actually like being a musician of some sort. Um, and, and on top of that, I've noticed a lot of my engineering and a lot of the work that I do, uh, outside is execution of skills that I've already created as opposed to, uh, specifically putting practice or learning new things. Now I'm constantly like researching things and gaining knowledge and things like that. But when it comes down to things that are skill-based, like even our TIG, TIG welding and things like that, perhaps replacing 30 minutes of show with 30 minutes of TIG welding or something like that, mm -hmm. where you're putting, you're not just like toying around, you're actually practicing a new skill and trying to get better at that skill. Improvement. Improvement. And that's, that's, sort of the last resolution there was to replace things that are just mindless in a way because a lot of the, a lot of the uh, tv stuff we watch is just we're both on our phones and it's just noise in the background um and uh and so i want to replace that with practice of some kind of a skill and that might be welding that might be guitar playing that might be any number of things so yeah that's a good idea yeah um well, you get to start that with the uh, the TIG welding stream. Then I would love to get better at TIG. The biggest the biggest problem with TIG for me is that I need I don't want to create projects, but in order for you to get better, like you need projects to do. And and the thing is, like I would love it if I could weld a lot. Uh, just I don't have the projects lined up for it, and I don't really want to create the projects for it. I have mm -hmm. I have two projects I know that I could weld up. Uh, one is a is a piece of furniture that I promised my wife that will eventually happen, um, and then the other one is a, a weld cart for my welding equipment because right now I just put it up on the table, which is fine and it works. But I've I want to weld up my own weld cart, but. Both of those are not, like, once they're done, they're done. I'd have to create another project. And uh, the problem with, with welding projects of that sort is, like, you end up creating these larger structures, and then you have to put them somewhere. And welding isn't necessarily the cheapest thing. I mean, like, you got to pay for the gas. You got to pay for electrodes. You got to pay for uh, the, the filler rods for TIG. And then the actual metal itself is not the cheapest thing on Earth. And so, like... I would like to get proficient at it, or should I should say proficient enough that I can be confident in the structural aspect of my welds, but but I don't necessarily care about like um, the extreme levels of cosmetics that other people do. Oh, the, the Instagram welders. Yeah, and like all the walking the cup stuff and like the serpentine looking, I don't care about that. Yeah, yeah I yeah. want to stick things together because I'm going to grind my welds. Let's just... The reality of life that's gonna happen because because yeah, 90 percent um, of the stuff i'm gonna do i'm gonna paint anyway yeah 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 and you want it smooth right you're gonna paint it right exactly um uh, so that's that's what i did when i learned mig is uh i took a class at uh, a hacker space and then um i went to my garage and i spent at least 30 minutes a day for an entire month mm -hmm. welding on coupons like I would, I would, I would sit there. My first would be a warm up of just like laying down flat beads, you know, the caterpillars yep. on on a piece of straight, and then I'd do a joints. You know, I'd do like a ninety. I'd do a butt joint, overlapping joints, joint. yeah. And then once I got confident with those, I cut a bunch of box tubing into like miters, 
and started welding the miters, trying to do inside welds and stuff. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I spent 30 days, um, 30 minutes minimal a day. Some, sometimes I spend a couple hours, like just yeah. welding stuff. Now, MIG is a lot less expensive than TIG is because the material, the consumables are a lot cheaper. And I feel like um, the learning curve is faster. Or at it least is faster. You, get, you, you get to something that seems acceptable quicker. Yes. Quicker. Like, I still mess up welds all the time. Oh, yeah. Like, you overheat something and, like, it bubbles like, like bubble gum. Yeah. And the good, and so you're like, oh, I gotta get the grinder and grind the weld down and reweld it. I, um, I I think with MIG and with stick, there's fewer variables to change, and fuel, each yes. variable, its like range of acceptability is way wider than with TIG. Yes. it's like TIG. If you're off by a few amps, like that could be it, you know, or yeah. if you're if you're if your gas is not flowing fast enough or too slow that's it you know it's just done you're not even going to get anything acceptable yeah yeah, yeah. um so actually what i'm, I'm probably gonna do is i'm gonna actually i'm gonna buy some stainless too because i have stainless filler rod mm. i can't remember what number it is but i should just buy some uh stainless coupons too and do that with you because when i think about it what am i going to use because my 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 biggest thing with tig right now is why should i tig something when i can mig it you know yeah um because most of this time again most time like when i'm i'm going to paint whatever it is so i want to grind it down so it's smooth mm -hmm. the weld is smooth because no matter how good of a tig welder you are well i guess i guess you can actually make a really flat weld with tig um but it is going to be a better maybe even a stronger weld, at least from my skill set, to MIG it and grind it flat mm -hmm. than it is to try to TIG it flat. Um, so that that's where I'm coming from. So I'm like, okay, I think I need a... That's why I started on aluminum with TIG. Because I'm like, I can't do aluminum material on MIG. Tried it, couldn't figure it out, couldn't make it work, couldn't get the skill set done. So I'm like, okay... What is something else with TIG that I can learn a skill set on? And it's going to be stainless um, and for building tubing like exhaust. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm going to get some thin, um, like you, thin materials to start practicing uh, TIG on. And maybe I actually buy some round tubing too to cut up and try to make weird make shaped snakes. tubes like like you know when you start like yeah basically make snakes <laughs> you know like when you make balloon animals for the certain first time and you're like i made a hot dog yeah <laughs> well uh, and and so I'm, I'm doing two things on the stream i the the coupons i bought are all cold roll steel and i bought those as a as like a, a nice like confidence booster where i can be like yay i can stick things together because cold roll steel is so easy to weld yes it is very easy to um, weld. and and so just like Get get the feeling with the cold roll steel, and then move over to I got a I got a sheet of one millimeter three oh four stainless steel, and then um, some uh, some weld weld bungs that I'm gonna try yeah. to stick to it. The the funny thing is the um, the first thing I success like project I built well with the TIG is I I put those little stainless tabs on the little stainless like coolant reservoir. Hmm. 
and the welds are not pretty at all. But they're there. Uh, but they are. Th- they're not bubbly either. They're they are an acceptable weld. It just doesn't look pretty at all. But the thing is, I polished it and it looks looks fine. Yeah, it's yeah. just all wavy. It's not sh- a straight weld at all. <laughs> well, I I mean, for the most part, TIG is inherently wavy. Sure, but I'm like I'm talking about the Instagram where they're like they're dipping perfect oh, dabs dimes, across. Right? Yeah, stacking the dimes. And mine's just like mine's like a stack of nickels and dimes. <laughs> Miss a couple pennies in there. Yeah. You know, one of the nice things about TIG that is different than MIG, um, I couldn't MIG or stick in my basement. My basement floor is wood. Uh, like, I can't throw sparks all over the place, but I TIG in my in my basement uh, because I'm yeah, not throwing yeah. sparks all over the place. So it's nice for that kind of thing. So, so I'll, pick up, I'll pick up some stainless coupons. I'll do the same thing. I'll pick up some steel coupons, stainless coupons, because I have all the other consumables. Mm. Just not the. I have plenty of steel. Yeah, you could just. You got some. some yeah, I could just make some. Just I have some 14 gauge. I got a bunch of 14 gauge uh, less than prime steel. There you <laughs> God, go. That stuff's nasty. Just grind grind the scale off of it. Yeah. I'll, 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 I should get some tubing. I should try to make. I should get some like two inch tubing, stainless tubing. Yeah. And just like make a weird shape snake like because that's one thing is practice welding around a tube and also back purging it i gotta get i gotta just get the equipment to back purge i i i'm gonna try cold welding um on this stream too because that's that's really when i want to see if that's a viable option for my brew rig is cold welding um because you don't have to back purge and and anyone who knows what cold welding is and is a welder is probably cringing like mad right now that I'm even considering that because cold welding is like it's a great way to make a terrible weld but I'm what I'm trying to do is stick things to my pots and make them watertight effectively without damaging the stainless nature of it and uh, without blowing holes through my my pot so like in terms of structural like the most amount of stress it's going to have is my hand opening a valve like what kind of torque do i apply to a thing on a pot like so it doesn't need to be able to handle huge amounts of stress so if i can make it look nice i can make it function for a long time and hold water that's what i want without having to create like a crazy backbird system for filling you know a 15 gallon pot with argon like i don't have that and i don't want to buy all the stuff for just three or four welds on a pot you know yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll find out it's, it's gonna really i think fun. it's gonna be really fun i'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to it okay so we have a new year's resolution from the macrofab engineering team and this is to um this is actually just really good advice um is run drc on your designs <laughs> um that was that 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 was like um i thought it was really funny with their i was like hey what do you want me to tell our customers and they said run drc <laughs> <laughs> um so we do have um drc files for eagle and altium i don't know if we have those for dip trace. We did when I, I was we there. Do. I created them. Yeah, so we still do. It might be an older version, but that's that still exists. And there's also a KiCad as well. Mm. Um, that might actually need to be updated. The KiCad ones. Um, and if you have any 
questions like like if you just go to like macred.com i think knowledge base um the drc is right there and um but if you have any questions about the drc or any other like you have a weird requirement for your drc um you can direct that support to support at macfab.com or hit us up in the Slack channel, which is macfab.com slash Slack. Um, because the, the big problem we run into is like a lot of people are like, this is, a, it's not really actually people outright just ignoring DRC d- design rule checks for the PCBA designs. It's people like to try to cheat the DRC. And this is not like, oh, I'm only going to pay for six mil, but I have three mil traces. It's not that. It's like I have a five point eight mil trace. Is that okay? Yeah, and I have I have one of them. Only one of them. Is it fine? Only one of them. Yeah. Is that fine? Or like, hey, my drill hit is like nine mils. It's not ten mils like the min. So the thing is, sure, you can run that through. The problem will happen is your cost is going to go up one way or another. Okay. It's either going to go up because basically the PCB fab is going to say, hell no, we're not going to build that. And they're, they're going to upcharge. Yeah. They're going to charge you up. And this, this is why, though. It's not because they're just getting more money, right? It's because the smaller features ends up costing more um failures during e-test and during manufacturing trying to make a trace smaller will result in more fallout or they have to have a stricter tolerance in their machines or they may have to use a completely different machine altogether to get that tolerance um and so let's just say you just push it through right and you just because there's a lot of people go oh i build you know small drills and small traces at these like cheap you know, fab houses and they don't seem to care. Well, that board might even work right then, but you're going to have in field failures because you might have over etching or under etching at some spots or especially like inside of vias because vias is where all your stress builds up on your printed circuit board. Like during PC, when the board flexes temperature variations, um, and it's actually why when you like look at like stack ups, you'll see like like one ounce copper might end up being thicker than one ounce copper. It's because you're trying to you have to plate enough material in that hole in that via to build it up so it doesn't crack like crazy. Mm. Um but uh but if you if you have under etching problems, stuff like that, you're gonna get infield failures, you know, four or five years down the road, and you're not gonna have any idea or you might not be at that company anymore. And it's some other schmucks and, you know, field technician being like, this design sucks. They might not even know why the design sucks though anymore. Right. No, but nobody has any clue. Yeah, no one has any idea. You know, here's a hot tip about DRC. Uh, DRC uh, in, in a lot of ways is an error check. It's there to show you when things are wrong and when things go wrong or you made a mistake. It's not a check to make sure that every little thing you're doing is right on the boundary. So in other words, let's say your DRC, you put trace width at six mil and trace spacing at six mil. That's not just like, 
from a design uh, perspective, that's not just freedom to make every trace six mil and every trace be close to every other trace by six mil. Yeah, if you do that, that won't throw an error on your DRC, but you're adding a ton of complexity and uh, and a lot of potential for error in your board down the down the line. So the DRC. It only plays by the rules that you give. And if you download the DRC files from Macrofab, you'll play by their rules. But that doesn't necessarily mean, oh, just because this allows me to do it, that's a good choice. Uh, just keep that in mind. DRCs show you when like, oh, shoot, I did something dumb and I overlapped traces or something of that sort. Or or I did violate this and that would cause a huge cost in, um, or increase in cost. Yeah, what, what was the rule we came up with? The 10-10-10? Oh yeah, yeah. Ten yeah, mil yeah. trace, ten mil spacing, ten mil drills. <laughs> the, that that rule we came up with um, was was the basic. If you follow this, most p oh, not most PCB houses should be able to make that no problem, regardless of what PCB house you go to. That yeah, it's that and um, that fits. Uh, I mean, especially unless you get below like half a millimeter pitch width. On, on components it will work for practically anything mm -hmm. and it's also like a 10 mil trace can carry an amp of current for at the low voltages that embedded systems are running over a short period of distance like a couple of inches and so it's like it's kind of like foolproof it's a really good rule for beginners i say you know i might uh, i might add one number to it amend it just right. slightly and make it 10 10 10 20 and and that would be 10 trace 10 space what was the third one 10 oh 10, ten drill. drill and then um and then 20 annular ring for your vias if you can do 10 okay. 20 on your vias so 10 hole 20 annular ring that will allow plenty of slop for the hole to be uh to have tolerance and for the drill hit to have tolerance and you'll still have plenty of an annular ring and that's actually an issue i see Wouldn't a that lot be wouldn't that leave you only a five mil annular ring around? Oh uh, well, it, okay. So it 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 depends on how you how you define, define it. Define it, yeah. Uh, but, but I define annular ring by the basically the radius difference. Some people do the overall different uh, overall diameter. I do the radius difference. Sure. So, so actually, 10, 10, 10, 10. Yeah. There we go. That's that's a good way of putting it. Let's let's do it that way. Where where the actual Which gives radius you a thirty mil is ten. So so that that pad. yeah. I guess if you if you look at it that way, that would be that would work the best. And that's that's actually an, an issue I see a lot of a lot of people do is they'll put a, a large drill hit for vias, thinking like this is great, and then a microscopic annular ring. Such if that there if, is one. If the, <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So if if the X Y is off at all, or if the tolerance of the drill hit is large at all you've just chewed through the annular ring and then yeah. it's not even a via at that point it's just like sloppy copper in a hole yeah um it's also another thing is is for beginners is investigate the drc tool for your eda tool because um it's a computer it will do what you tell it to do mm -hmm. so if you input your drc incorrectly it's going to run the drc incorrectly well, it's going to run it correctly given the parameters you gave it, which are incorrect. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you are smarter than your DRC, but you should never ignore an issue from your DRC. Uh, so it may be that the error it's throwing, it's throwing in error, like it's giving you an incorrect error, but you should go and fix the reason why it is giving you that error. 
mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just ignoring it. In fact, I really one of the buttons I don't like much in EDA tools is hiding errors or ignoring errors uh, on DLCs. Yeah. Uh, because, like, yes, I get it, you can do that, but um, there's a, like, that's just, as an example, we we had a client that gave us a board that had 700-something errors on it. Um, but they gave us this board, and they're like, we've gone through all of these, and every single one of them is not an error, so please ignore all 700 and it's like, no, go and fix it such that if we run it, it says no errors, you know? And and the thing is, like, yeah, it was fine. We were able to make the board, and those were not actually errors. The problem was it was improperly set up DRC, and the client was just not interested in setting up and going and fixing those things because it would have taken a lot of time. Well, that's that's a problem at the very beginning. You didn't set it up properly and then follow it, and then you violated every single one of the rules that wasn't set up properly. That's a great example of just don't do that, you know. And mm-hmm. and neither party was interested in spending the time fixing it. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no one wants to spend the time. But in my opinion, a board is not done until DRC says no errors. Yep, I agree. I do have some really small caveats to that. There are some times where I've gone outside like there are certain limitations to dip trace my EDA tool that I have to create errors to get what I want done. And it's because there's certain things that I need to get done on the board that it, that the software doesn't support. Uh, and so I, 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 it really grinds my gears, but I have to create errors and just know it. So what I do is I like basically create those errors, snapshot them, and then make sure that whenever I run the DRCs, I just have to, in my mind, ignore them. But I try to avoid uh, that situation as much as possible. So what I do is on, if I have those, is I use the note layer in Eagle. Mm-hmm. And I'll put a note at that spot on the board. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Be like, hey, this error will pop up on this DRC check. It, this, And then I'll go, this is why this is okay. And then you click the little approve button. <laughs> I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. But in case you ever change the DRC and run it again, you can, it, it will, if it pops up, you have a note there saying, this is why this is okay. So, so one other quick thing about uh, DRC from the uh, WMD team um, you don't get to cheat the numbers. I'm sorry. Like, we want, you to uh you as being the designer like get the numbers all right we can cheat the numbers at the cm because we know how our machines work and 99 percent of the time at, at least from my side the uh the numbers we give you in the drc are such that you'll be successful through our line and they're based off of our pcb manufacturer and our machines and so there's certain things that we can cheat like tolerance on selective solder so for like um, position of an smd component to a through hole component there are situations where we can cheat and get away with them being closer but if we give you those original design uh, requirements and you build the board to it there's nearly 100 percent chance that your board will be successful and there's no issues with it so we give you those numbers as an initial design requirement and then if we need to fudge them we do it on our end uh, and that just works better for everyone. Never thought about that way. That's interesting. So one last thing. Podcast resolutions. 
I thought this was going to be the bigger topic, but I guess not. Yeah. Um, so we are going to, this is basically how do we make the podcast a better experience? Experience entity. I like experience though. Yeah. I like, that's a good marketing term. Oh yeah. Um, so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to release, we're going to start releasing the podcast Friday at noon. Because uh, currently we record Tuesday, six o'clock ish on, uh, so what he said Tuesday on uh, Central Time. Um, and then uh, Josh, our editor, has to basically rush like Wednesday, uh, you know, morning slash afternoon to get me the MP3 file. Then I put that and post it like right away. I like, I publish it like right when I get it. Yeah. Um, so, the release window is somewhere between Wednesday at noon and Wednesday at like 9 p.m. Sometimes mm -hmm. it just depends. Um, so I want to get off of this depends and I want to push it to a set time that it always comes out at. Um, and the reason why Friday at noon is because sometimes Josh is done by Wednesday at nine. Well, at Wednesday at nine o'clock, I don't want to be doing anything related to the podcast at that time. Um, and so what I want to do is on Thursday, I want to spend time and actually, because right now I just, I honestly just trust Josh and I publish it right away. Like I don't <laughs> want to listen to it. Yeah. Um, and I want to change that though. It's not because I don't trust Josh. I, I want to actually listen to it and make better notes uh, for our podcast. Spend some more time doing that. Make better notes. Because like we used to have some like super in-depth notes. Um, if you go back to like the hundreds numbers like our notes are super in detailed because i would i would go and listen to the podcast and write in notes so i want to do that but i need to have time to do that so thursday will be my day to do that and then friday at noon do a publish uh for the podcast um the reason why friday at noon is that seems to be a really good time to release a kind of goofy podcast like this goofy slash informative podcast like this um, so we're going to give that a shot. We might move that around someday on Friday. But basically, Friday is going to have to be the day or like Monday. Because um, I wanted to... Actually, I guess we could do it like Thursday, late Thursday as well. But we're going to try Friday at noon um, going forward. Also, we are going to be going to video. So right now we stream the podcast at twitch.tv slash macrofab. Um, but, um, we currently don't like do anything with the, the VODs, the video on demands that Twitch makes. Um, and we also are, we started recording all the video too, like, um, in our, in our broadcaster. Um, but right now we don't do anything with it. So what we're going to do is we're going to start editing that too. And then that will also go live Friday at noon with the podcast. So there'll be a video and the podcast. Now, it's still going to be audio first, so we're still going to be, the audio quality will still be our nice our nice voices that Josh Mshazers and edits correctly. Um, but he's also going to be doing our video, and so we're going to upload that to YouTube at the same time. Um, we're also going to start transcribing the podcast. Um, don't know exactly how I'm going to do that yet, but basically that way, um, one... If you listen to the podcast on our website, macfab.com slash podcast, there's like a fancy player there and it will have like the transcribe will be in there. 
like it'll scroll like as we talk um and also the transcribing allows us to have really good um closed captions on youtube so we'll be able to have closed captions on youtube and we'll have the uh, transcribe on the podcast page um nothing we want to do is more polls um like more uh voting polls figure out more user engagement with the podcast um we started doing that last what two weeks ago we did a poll about changing the stream time when we like record the podcast and people the people who responded said they want stick us at six o'clock on tuesdays or shifted around on tuesday i think we're going to kind of keep six o'clock right now on tuesdays um but I do want to try to get more people in on the live stream as possible. Um, so that might have to shift uh, depending on how more people respond to that. I think once people realize how cool it is to listen to us live, <laughs> they might be more willing to to show Come up. Come on, guys. It's cool. It's cool. Um, and also, we're going to start giving out uh, swag to our live stream events. So when we live stream... We're not doing it today. Sorry, everyone in chat. Not yet. Um, so we got to set up these details, are resolutions. But yes, these are resolutions. So these are things you can hold us accountable to on December 31st this year. <laughs> and by this year, it's 2022. For those that are in the future, listen to this in like 2024. Well, they'll know about our really cool podcast in 2024. Yeah, they'll, they'll know about it. And they'll it. know about all the cool swag. Yeah. So uh we want to give out swag at the live stream events. And 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 hey, um, we actually have some legitimately some really cool ideas for swag coming up. Uh and I know Parker and I are really good at generating ideas, uh, but we're pushing really hard to actually execute on these ones. Execute. Yep. So I think that's it. Yeah. That's kind of, there's there's more we want to do with the podcast for sure. But these are stuff that are like that are resolutions in terms of this is like the minimal that we want to be able to do. I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's good. So, you know what we should have a resolution on? Figure out how to end this podcast. <laughs> I think you just found one right there. Yeah. That found a way. So, yeah, so that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Oh, take it easy. Thank you, yes, you, our listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, let Steven and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at AnalogENG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at MacFab.com slash Slack. And also check out our live stream on Tuesdays at 6 o'clock p.m. at twitch.tv slash MacFab. really need to get a URL shortener for that one.